Hi, Kelly Cunningham Sipos here with my podcast, My Child Left Home for Heaven. This podcast is devoted to discussions on how to find joy through the darkest days a parent could face, the loss of their child. Join me as we dive into conversations on grief that many would avoid, but that myself as a grieving mother feel we need to discuss and share together to be able to heal and find joy again in this life. Welcome to another podcast of My Child Left Home for Heaven. Today, I am excited and honored to have Dr. Joshua Black on us to discuss grief dreams. And we all know this is a subject that we talk about quite a bit on the Facebook pages. And now we finally got somebody who has studied this to kind of answer some questions for us. Dr. Black is a grief researcher, a speaker, an author, a consultant, and his ho- a host of his own podcast, The Grief Dream Podcast. Welcome, Dr. Black. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we're, we're very happy to have you. Trust me. I know a lot of moms are going to be anxious to listen to this, and um, you're going to pick up a bunch of new fans and probably get some emails and some requests for workshops, and we might overload you slightly here as this podcast goes out to almost 32,000 grieving mothers. So um, hoping that you can help them and they can help you. So um, why don't we start with just the beginning and you telling um, all of us a little bit about you, why you got into this and um, you know what, what brought you to really start wanting to study bereavement and grief dreams? You know, like when I grew up, I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. That was my goal. And how I think a part of that goal is my dad really pushed that for me in my life since I was a kid. He kept saying they have good pensions and they get paid good. Well, in Canada anyways, I don't know, in the States. <laughs> that's fair. They get that's fair. true. <laughs> fair pay. And all teachers are all going to email me going, no, we don't get paid fair. <laughs> and so that was my plan. And so I went to university and that was like the goal going, going forward. And then it was in my fourth year. It took five years to finish my undergrad. It was in my fourth year. My dad died very suddenly. And for me, that was that that shook me. It was the first time I had someone significant die in my life, and the feelings of grief are so overwhelming. Like I can't. It's so weird. Like I could have read about it, but it's once you experience it, you realize, you know, just in the unique way that I experienced it, how tough it is and how difficult it was for me. And I remember getting the phone call from my my aunt, and I just started crying. And at that time like tears were really scary for me because I, I I was a good male in our society and I didn't cry at all. Like, and so for this to just happen and break me and I just kept crying for like three days, it was just, so it was just so scary for me because I didn't know how to deal with those emotions. Because society says men aren't supposed to do that. Yeah. It's so I never had better. any, pra- yeah. And, but I never had any practice dealing with tears, like and, and the sadness, like it usually turns to anger, you so you know, like mm-hmm. stuff like that, but like, no, how do you like sit with sadness? I've gotten better over the years, but like at that moment, it was very difficult for me. And I'm glad I had people around me that really helped me out with some of the irrational thinking too. I was, um, I was doing. I was, I was, <laughs> I was going to quit school and and go to uh, Israel because that was my dad and ours last trip together that we w- were planning. Um, but I'm glad that my my partner at the time told me not to and just wait till I go back to school, finish school, and then decide what you want to do. And so, you know, like for me, that was a big moment. And then what was interesting is when I started to go back to school, I stopped crying. 
but I also stopped feeling joy. So one would say I was depressed. All the color came out of my life and I was just doing the things I needed to do. So work and school and I, and I did good in both, but I just didn't have any life in me anymore. And I didn't, I wasn't trying to get help. I just thought this is just how it is now. You know, I like, kind of like very hopeless, like this is just, this is it. This is my life. And I just was pushing through. Then all of a sudden, three months after my dad died, I had this dream of him that completely changed me. And I still don't know what it, like, what happened, but I hold it dear to my heart because it's uh, the thing that saved me, I believe, in my grieving process. Because I think at that time, I was too stubborn to even go to a group or go seek help. Like, so it really helped me in, in a time where I wasn't um, willing to get help, I guess is the best way to put it. Anyway, so the dream I had was I was in my room and my dad was at the other end and he was looking through some of my stuff. And at that time, I had a lot of clutter, which I got from him. Like he used to always like pick up like tra like different materials at the um, trash day from people's you know houses that they oh, left out. Yeah. Huh? yeah, you can say a hoarder. <laughs> I've had my tendencies of picking up trash on the side of the road too when I see an object that I could paint and re you know redo. Oh, so I, yeah. I can understand your dad there. Yeah, so I kind of took that. I've changed a lot since then, you know, like, <laughs> but at that time. So that's why he was looking through some of my stuff, which is really kind of funny for me because he was actually really interested in the stuff I had in my room. Cause, <laughs> and so. And he never uh, was before? Well, no, yeah, no, yeah, like, I don't think he, like, he spent much time in my room, to tell you the truth. But uh, yeah, if he was looking through some records uh, that I had, I remember. Anyways, um, but he looked healthy and he looked good. And for me, that was a, a, such a beautiful moment because. In waking life, he had a lot of issues with alcohol and also with emotion regulation. And so, you know, he was he, he always had this heaviness to him, is the best way to put it. But in the dream, he was so light and he was just happy. And then so um, he turned around and, and I started walking up to him. And I told him that I'm gonna miss him, acknowledging his death. And I said that I loved him and we hugged. And when I woke up, something had changed within me. And it wasn't I wasn't that I interpret the dream and then that's the thing that changed me. I was changed from the dream. And that's, so when I woke up, I just sat at the end of my bed and I thought, what was that? And how could I, how could I have done a 180? How could I have been in such a dark place prior and then this, and then now I'm like, like joyful. I could feel my, I could feel joy again. I can also express my sadness. Like something happened in those moments. And, you know, when I look back through all the, after all doing all the research, I can sort of see maybe some of the things that it did help me through. One was being able to say goodbye to my father, which was something that I didn't get a chance to do. And that would have been a huge block for me emotionally, but also, you know, telling him that I loved him. The last time I told him I loved him, I was probably a kid. It was just something we never said to each other. It was kind of like, you know, implied i guess <laughs> but well, again that's one I, of those things men don't do yeah. they don't say I love you to each other enough. yeah us women say it constantly and i think there's something to that and my dream i think really highlights the importance of that and to be comfortable saying that and that's something i got better doing after that and i started saying to my mom more often too just because it, it was uncomfortable for me to say but it, it needs to come out and so the other thing about that, you know, when it comes to my grief, I believe there's something in the moment of that dream because it was so loving. And most of my dreams, they're like just normal or there's a little anxiety or whatever. But that dream was so special because even though I knew he was dead, there was so much peace. There's so much love within that moment. And I think there's something to do with love in these dreams that really help us heal in many ways. 
And so I woke up and said I had a new lease on life and I was, I was good. What was interesting though, I never told anyone. And so I just went through my, my life, finished my uh, university career, applied to be an elementary school teacher. And then once I had the interview to get in, something didn't feel right inside, it, which is the weirdest thing because I didn't have a plan B. Like that was it. And I decided to turn it down. And I didn't know why, but I just knew it didn't feel right. And so I, 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 I didn't, and I just picked up some jobs here and there and they weren't meaningful at all. And so like, I needed to find meaning in my life. So I volunteered with the bereaved at a local hospice and they kept bringing up these dreams and they had a lot of different questions than I had because they had negative dreams. Other people didn't have dreams and they wanted to know why they're talking, you know, a lot of you know, wild theories on why they didn't have dreams, which really complicated their grief in many ways. Like some would be, oh, sure. You know, someone would be like, uh, they didn't cross over, or maybe they're trapped in purgatory, or maybe they're in hell, they weren't good enough. Other people are saying, oh, maybe they're mad at me, so they're holding back their visit. Uh, other people were saying, oh, maybe, you know, they just forgot about me, they have other things they need to do. So all that stuff was just complicating their grief. And for me, it was really sad. So I looked at the literature to sort of see, you know, what I could do to help with these questions, because I still had access to the database um, from my university. And there wasn't anything there for them, which was really shocking to me. And so I had a moment where I was like, you know, could I help them find their answers? And I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> so, <laughs> Time to do this then. So I said, you know, could I do this? And, you know, it took a while because I wasn't planning to be a researcher. I knew how difficult that would be for me because you got you to learn, you know, research methodology, you got to learn statistics. And for me, it took a lot of courage. It really did. I had to really, you know, play around with it and just say, okay, fine. I'll try it. If I don't succeed, then I don't succeed, but at least I'll try. And here I am with a you know, PhD and leading researcher in the, in the world in this field. And it's just like, wow, I, uh, I succeeded. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> so, I should have put that all into the intro. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot about that, but you're, you're a leading researcher. You, uh, it, I mean, what you've been doing is awesome. And I, that had to have been scary, just, you know, stepping out completely at that point, not knowing, I mean, yeah. not knowing what you were going to do. You know, that's, yeah, that's been different. And I wanted, and it wasn't easy. I wanted to drop out many times throughout my MA and PhD, to tell you the truth. But the bereaved, those who had the answers and those who had these experiences, really were encouraging me. And so it really gave me a lot of, I guess, more motivation when I was at the lowest points to really continue. And so, yeah, that's why I'm grateful for all the people that have continued to support this this movement. Well, it's great that you saw a need for this, and that you know that's what. Um, Something that I'm really big about is trying to find when we're grieving ourselves is finding a purpose and a need for us to do because that helps you through the grief, I think, so much better. Yeah. So I'm sure it helped you through the grief of your dad as you were doing all this because you, you feel like you have a purpose. No, not like we don't have purposes, but it gives you a, a really good, strong purpose. Um, yeah. I like some of the some of the people on here have heard uh, my dream before, and I had a hard time dealing with the anger issue um, when my daughter passed because she was at her boyfriend's house. They It was a drug house, but we didn't know that. To later i knew the mom was on prescription drugs but i didn't realize mm -hmm. how much and i didn't realize they were doing heroin there and other people that overdosed in the house um i had jesse carry my daughter's casket he was you know i gave him stuff of hers so all of a sudden when all this came out as to what this house was all about and and that possibly my daughter laid there dead and he was so messed up that he didn't know that she was dying you know that, that you know you have the anger stage in grief anyway well that just compounded terribly in me and and um, I went on TV and everything about it and, and felt terrible about it afterwards. But um, 
I, I've only had one dream about my daughter and um, that, that it was like you said, it was very real. And she was sitting at the kitchen table and she had had problems with some, some skin issues. And I look at pictures of her and you can see the slow progression with her body really just starting to fail. And the, the drugs, even though she was getting clean at the time she passed, it was taking its toll. But in this mm -hmm. dream, she looked the way, she looked the best she ever had with her blonde you know, hair curled the way I liked it, her makeup done the way I liked it, you know, sitting at the end of the table where she always sat and there was this golden glow of light all around her. And she just looked beautiful. I mean, you could like feel the warmth of that, of that light. You know, people say when they, they pass feeling that light, you know, they've come back and I feel like I got a glimpse of that light in that split second. And I was in the dream on the phone screaming at her boyfriend. I mean, screaming at him, how dare you? You killed my daughter, you know, just, I mean, going on and on. And she just said, as clear as can be, mama. And I turn and I look and she goes, mama, don't blame Jesse. It's not his fault. It was an accident. I'm okay. And I woke up. And that was such a freeing moment for me also, because I was just like, oh my goodness, I need to talk to Jesse. Maybe this really was an accident. I'm blaming, taking the blame on him through the screen. So I didn't really think about that until I started researching you a little bit when you reached out to me. And I was like, wow, that really was a, a measurable part in my grief. The turning point, I think for me to begin to start yeah. to deal with the anger, because you can't live with anger all your life. It will eat you up completely. No. Well, so, it, block, it blocks you from the sadness that needs to come out and that you need to feel, which is scarier than anger, to tell you the truth. Yes, and it is. Yeah. Well, you talked about being depressed also and losing the color. And I, I'd say that when I describe depression, because I suffer with depression on and off, and it is, it's losing the color in your life. So yeah. do you feel, you know, getting in and doing this, or was it the dream that made you bring, kind of snap out of the depression? 100% the dream. You know, really? like, wow. uh, yeah. Yeah, it just, that's why I still sit in the the moment of that and how important that was to me to even be here. Without that, I never would have started working on my own grief or even understand the importance of, you know, grief work and all that, all that entails. Um, I would never be here. I'd probably be the elementary school teacher, to tell you the truth. Right. So that, yeah. I'm, I, I, I always try to watch where I go spiritually on here. You know, I never try to push my beliefs completely over on somebody but I'm just curious how you feel about this. I truly, truly believe that there is a realm between heaven and earth and that in dreams, God allows us to, I feel physically, mentally, emotionally have contact with our loved ones in that realm. And it sounds like that's what you experience in your dreams. I've, family members of mine have had dreams about other family members that have passed. Everybody says it's so real. Do you yeah. believe there is that realm or how do you explain it? <laughs> I'm, I'm putting you on the spot on this one sorry <laughs> just start with the easy questions yeah <laughs> just dig right in there kelly it's a very difficult thing to answer because the way you're talking about it i would agree i think that's a very beautiful uh, way to analyze that dream that you've had but other people will have negative dreams and they'll say those are also they're just as real as those positive dreams you've had and they'll say it's a haunting or negative thing so like for me, it's very difficult to, it's like you got to really use discernment when we sort of look at a lot of these, these dreams. But I, what I can say is that these dreams do function differently um, than other dreams. And so what that means, I don't know. Like I personally really don't know, but I know science can't understand it yet. And so if people want to believe it's a visitation, that's great. But what's interesting is people who are non-spiritual will still have similar experiences of those who are spiritual. 
which I think it just blows my mind. And it's across cultures, it's around the world, people are having these experiences. And it's the interpretation that people give that really changes it and it can help them in different ways. So if you're spiritual, one of the things that happen within the grief journey is you can get angry at God, you can lose your mm-hmm. faith, right? And you're very rocky. It happens to a lot of the moms. Right. And one of these dreams can actually help people. I've even like looked at that. These dreams can help people believe more in the afterlife to believe and have forgive God and to release some of that anger. And like, it's amazing what those dreams can do based on that, that moment in the dream, but also the interpretation. And I always try to get people to, if there are spiritual and they want to look at these dreams as a visitation to make sure it's not distressing. It's when it's distressing, um, I tend to intervene and, and look at the research and, and see how it relates to your waking life. Because that's the last thing you wanna do is put extra distress on yourself because of one of these dreams. And said so, like, I've seen wild stuff and every religion has its own belief system. Right. Well, not even like, I should rephrase that. Every religion doesn't know how to understand these dreams. And so there's multiple people with varying viewpoints of these dreams with some being very positive and some being very negative. So just like I know Western culture, Christianity is a big thing. Just by doing my research, some pastors uh, contacted me and said, I'm doing the work of the devil and that these dreams are the devil in disguise. Even, right, we're very interesting, even though, and which is interesting. So like when I heard that, I, you know, I looked at sort of the Bible because I wanted to sort of see like, is there anything in there that's actually letting them that, that says anything about these types of dreams? The answer is no. So it, it's a personal viewpoint of something that they were taught along the way. And I even, there's a scripture um, in there that's basically, you know, the Pharisees were telling Jesus how, you know, his healing powers were from the devil. And then it's just like, how, like, that doesn't make any sense because if I'm healing people, I'm, I'm allowing people to believe more in God, mm-hmm. right? Um, if there was a, devil the devil wouldn't want the person to be healed because he then he's fighting against himself and so the same thing goes with these dreams these very positive dreams are helping people in the midst of deep suffering that's not something the devil does if people are spiritual and so it's just people giving bad advice but there's people who will say that and then they'll because they they put the person on a pedestal they'll believe that advice is correct and that was one of the big worries I had as I moved forward was that, you know, people just never had the information. So that's one reason why a lot of people don't talk about these dreams, because they're afraid of what people will say um, moving forward uh, within that. But then I, there's other pastors that say this is, you know, God allows that. And there is that realm, as you're saying. And what was interesting is there are a lot of dreams of people who are Christian anyways, where there's angels or they talk about heaven or even Jesus is in the imagery with the deceased. And so... Like, I look at that and I think we just need to sort of take a step back. Anyone who's ever sort of, you know, been in or, or support the, the brief, take a step back and look at the research before we talk. Because before there wasn't anything. So, like, at first I was a little angry that people were giving bad advice, but they had no information to go off of, you know. So, right. but now they do. And so just to raise awareness for people to step back, learn, and then even say, I don't know, is uh, an acceptable answer. But when you start saying you do know and that answer is now um complicating the person's bereavement process well that's an issue well i did the same thing to you when you reached out to me um dr black here emailed me um you know about he apparently had found my podcast and um you know i i was brought up in the i wasn't brought up in the in the um, baptist church but i that's where i you know had my conversion and, and accepted christ and 
And so I, it was a very legalistic Baptist church and um, in, in Ohio. So my, some of my thoughts were back there. So even when you reached out to me, what was one of the first things that I asked you? Like, I, you know, I said, well, is this going to go against what my faith is? Mm-hmm. And you sent me an article that was written in, which magazine was it? It was a bunch of, I think it was Guideposts. It was a spiritual Yeah, Guideposts, yeah, which is a Christian, yeah, yeah, a Christian, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess it's a magazine. So that's when I read that and, and the way you kind of worded it in there, I was like, yeah, he's right. You know, and then I kind of started doing some research on it and realized that, though, I, I truly believe, like you said, God is allowing these, you know, to me, God is allowing these dreams for me to feel. Yeah. And I think for some moms, you know, that, that aren't sure that they have such a fear, you know, there's, again, you've got, even on the Facebook pages, we have so-called Christian women out there bashing other moms who saying their child isn't in heaven because they didn't accept Christ. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? Nobody knows what happens in the final moments of our life. So I, you know, I'm constantly saying, shame on you. You're, you're not a Christian if you're doing that to these other moms. So I think these dreams maybe help these moms to realize, yes, my child is somewhere that's being loved and safe. And that's and actually, you know, this is a very important point where a lot of, like, even within a religion, people give bad advice and yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I, uh, trust me, I know. Yeah. And a lot of people have a hard time understanding why they're even giving that advice, what the point is. It really takes deep reflection, but even when bad advice happens like that, you're right. These dreams actually help correct some of the, the thoughts people are feeling. So if someone says that, you know, because your child didn't get baptized or in hell, and you have one of these beautiful dreams where they're talking about heaven, well, what happens? Well, you're going to believe they made it to heaven. And so, you know, for me, there's a lot of beauty in that. And I see that in different cultures too, where uh, it was in Brazil, they say like, once again, if you don't get baptized, like the child doesn't get baptized, they go to hell. And they had these dreams where it actually showcased that they, that they were doing well. And they were in heaven. And for me, like, like that means so much because it goes against what those people are saying, but it can go against your own religion. And what I like about that is it, it's taking away some of that fear. It, it's allowing people to sit in love a little bit more and compassion and to just realize, I don't know. And so, but if it happens to one person, why can't it happen to another? Even right. if they don't have a dream, right? So I think it's just us reflecting. I think we can learn a lot about love through these dreams and maybe what, what the afterlife is. So there's so many different versions. And even in any kind of, say, Christianity, there's, you know, hundreds of different versions of what the afterlife is based on people's and there's understanding. there's visions all throughout the Bible and dreams. I mean, it's-, it's There is, it's, yeah. Talked about all through, you know, uh, uh, we can't get started on the subject of religion <laughs> or I'll keep going on and on forever. I but just the, feel bad yeah. because I think someday yeah. people will realize, you know, we, we worry too much about different religions and it, God wants us to worry about the relationship. It has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with our relationship with him. Yeah. And the minute we put that all aside, I think we'd all get along a little bit better. And, and well, I, yeah, and I think there's, that's why I want to sort of bring religion up a little bit, just because there's all different viewpoints throughout all different types of religions. But what, what's the most common theme is love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's where we can all, sort of just stay. We don't need to understand the facts or exactly what happens, but we can understand that love exists and what and to try to figure out what love is and what we need to sort of move forward within love. And I think that's a very different thing I've learned from these dreams is that there's almost there's levels to love. You know, like if you even look back in your own life, you have when you're a kid, you love certain things like a toy or stuffed animal. And then you loved, you know, like maybe in teenage years, you had your first love. Peter Frampton. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then you're older, you're, you're love defined if you have children or, or whatnot. But as you see, like it keeps changing. And these dreams, it showcases almost a different 
sign of love or what love could be. And I always say, if you can dream of it, that feeling, why can't you have that feeling in waking life? And so it almost, it can be a beacon or a lighthouse to people on what's possible for them in waking life. If we start, you know, reflecting and doing some work and seeing like what's blocking us from that. I think that's a beautiful moment to be a part of. And that's what I like these dreams the most because there's so much wisdom within these dreams. And for me, I've learned so much just about myself and about, you know, life and grief and my own insecurities and biases, you know, just through looking at the words that are spoken because they're so beautiful. And I sit back, even though it's not my dream, I can still gain a lot of wisdom from that. And it, it just warms my heart. From other people's dreams? Is From other people's you? dreams. Yeah. Really? It's amazing. It's oh, amazing. you do have a cool job. Then. You <laughs> do there are those negative dreams that people do have, but and those That's reflect what I want waking to talk life. About. Yeah. It is, is, uh, there's different characters, um, different characteristics of grief dreams. Yeah. Okay. So can you explain those? So you so the different forms uh, of yeah. grief dreams. Okay, yeah. So there are there are forms before the person has died or the knowledge of them have died. So this could be like someone's um, in a hospice or something. You may be and they're dying. You can have these anticipatory grief dreams where it reflects the your your challenges of what you're trying to work through, your emotions. And I should state that dreams reflect our waking life. That's something that research has shown. And so if you're sad in waking life or angry, you're going to have more negative dreams. If you're joyful, you're going to have more positive dreams. It's just a great way to understand dreams. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, which makes sense with anticipatory grief dreams. They're usually pretty negative or reflect sort of the, the process that you're trying to work through. But with, also there's all these dreams that people have of the deceased that are very comforting, that looks like dreams they would have after someone died, but they don't know they're dead yet. And so this is a very fascinating part where I sit in. I don't know how this is even possible. My theory is that there's like a, um, a connection between people that we don't fully understand yet. And it could be just love and in general. I know that mothers will say they'll know when something's wrong with their child and they can call and the person. Yeah, so there's something there. I'm not sure what it is. But anyways, people have these dreams that are very similar to when they've died, but they don't know they're dead. So they'll have this dream. The person's saying goodbye that they love them. They wake up very strange. Sometimes they know they're at death's bed. Sometimes they don't. Um, and then they'll call and they'll figure out the person died in the night or something. And so well, I have one to interject on that. Let me just put this okay. in before I forget because yeah. okay. I want to see what your, what your thought is on it. And I didn't even remember it until I, again, was kind of reading up on you. I had a hysterectomy about five years ago, I think it was. And while I was under general anesthesia, I had a dream. My sister-in-law had cancer and we all knew she was, she was going to die. I mean, she was trying to correct it, but she was trying to do it homeopathically. She wasn't doing well. She wasn't even on my mind. I hadn't seen her in two years. We don't talk on the phone. I mean, we weren't really super close. You know, it wasn't like a sister or something. And while I was under general anesthesia for the surgery, she came to me in a dream. And I've never had a dream while in surgery before. But she came to me in this dream. And she just told me that she was leaving. And to please watch out for her children and her husband, my, my brother-in-law, and that she would see me again. And I, you know, never thought twice about it after the surgery. My husband came up to the hospital the next day to bring me home. And he kind of had this long look on his face. I'm like, Jeff, what's the matter? And he said, um, Candy passed away. She went home to be with the Lord. And I'm like, today? And he says, no, yesterday morning while you were in surgery. Wow. So that, I, that I'll forever wonder what that really, I mean, how could, I didn't yeah. know. My conscience didn't know. I wasn't yeah. thinking about her. I don't think I was. Explain <laughs> that one to me. <laughs> Is that it's just one, part? It's one of those things we just allow yourself to sit in the mystery of life. We don't know everything. And I, I think, you know, there's a, a lot of people want to feel like they know everything, but you have to be able to sit in the mystery of life and just let it 
sit there. You don't have to, you know, like we don't have the tools to understand it yet, but we can know that it exists. And that's sort of my job is just allowing stuff to exist. And I don't know most of the stuff. I know a little bit of the stuff and I, but I can acknowledge what is existing in people. And so, yeah, that is something that happens to other people too. We just don't know, but it does allow us to realize we're probably, there's more to know about our human nature than we know right now. And I don't and, think and, we're ever going to be able to study enough to figure that out. No, um, the, negative, right? <laughs> the negative dreams that you talk about. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. going back to the forms. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I interrupted you because yeah. I, I bring a lot. You'll get used to that. So once someone, uh, once you consciously know someone has died, then there's three forms. So the one is the dream doesn't have the deceased in it or no one mentions them. So this is like very symbolic of the loss. So this would be like you're running by a mountain, the mountain collapses on you, and it really reflects the heaviness of your grief and waking life. And then you'll have these dreams. Uh, another form would be the deceased isn't in the imagery, but people are mentioning them. It could be characters, it could be an angel or God, you know, telling you or talking to them about them. Or it could be you're visiting the hospital they died at or the graveyard or something that resembles or reminds you of them. And the last one is what everyone wants to talk about. And those are the dreams people have of the deceased. And they're usually the person's in human form. Sometimes they talk over a phone. Uh, other times it could be in a different form, like a cloud. I've seen that. And so, but that's where most of my research has been focused on because that's where most of the questions are. Well, you and you can have, I was going to say, and you can have positive or negative dreams within that. And I guess now we can go to the negative dreams. <laughs> Well, and, and you said something a little bit ago about warning dreams and my husband, you're going to get tired of hearing all my little minds, but here I'm going to get in my, I'm getting in my little therapy session here with you by telling you all, all our family dreams here. Um, my husband years ago, I mean, when my daughter was, when Emily was maybe seven, eight years old, woke up in a, a terrible sweat, you know, a nightmare. And I was like, Jeff, what is the matter? And he said, something's going to happen to Emily. And I says, what do you mean? Again, seven years old. And he said, I just had a dream and she was being washed down a drain and her arm was sticking up for me to catch her. And I couldn't catch her. I couldn't mm -hmm. grab her. She, she slipped mm -hmm. away from me. And we've, you know, thought about that so many times, you know, if that was him foreseeing in the future that we were going, you know, the drugs were going to start taking her, that we tried everything we could, we couldn't hold on to her. And, you know, then eventually she, she left, she went down the drain. Yeah. But when she passed away, it just, that was the first thing my husband said is, oh my God, I knew that. I, mm -hmm. I knew that was going to happen from that dream, but yet denied. It, well, it's one of those things that it could be that, you know, like usually I think in a lot of, you know, precog dreams, there is a, a, a timing aspect of it uh, in some way. Um, I think it, how long was that dream from when she did die? It was like 20 years or something or yeah, almost 15 25, years. Yeah. Uh, 18 years. Yeah. It's a long time for, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> for a precog yeah, dream. Okay. I mean, <laughs> like right on his mind. So what I, but I have seen is very commonly in parents is a very similar kind of dream where the child that they're caring for is in dis distress and they can't help. And so it's a really based a lot on fears that we have. And especially as parents, that's our, our job is to take care of our child. And so those fears will come up and it is probably related to something that's going on in their life and that they're thinking about when it comes to it. So I know um, just for an example, uh, a father had a dream where his, his child was going to go to a uh, birthday party and he was going to be swimming there. And um, he had this dream where the, the child was going to drown, you know, because it was the first time that the child was going without supervision from him and he's not going to be there. And so he had that worry. And that makes sense because you should have that worry. You want right. to make sure, you know, that they're going to be safe. And so, you know, the advice there is like, 
Are there going to be other parents there that's going to supervise? Does your child know how to swim, right? Like there's a lot of things that to do. Like, and if you're really worried, you can go. But at the main time, understanding that for the most part, those dreams are based on your fears and to understand your fears and then work with them, right? You don't have to be, a, you don't have to just, once you acknowledge them, work with them. Does, do they have the proper training when it comes to swimming? Do they have all the, the floaters that they need? Like have a talk with them on what safety procedures are. Like don't run around the pool, like stuff like that which you need to have anyways. So it just reminds you to do the things you do. And then it's really about sitting back and just understanding that it's based on love. Like you really care for them if you're worried if they're going to die, right? So you, you know, you really have a lot of love and to really not be afraid of that, but just acknowledge that with that love comes fear that something's going to happen. Exactly. Now, so do you, do you, I mean, do you consider yourself that you can interpret dreams? I could interpret my dreams. So. <laughs> you, like, like when somebody else, you know, like I listened on your podcast, with yeah. stuff, I mean, two of them where you were doing recaps of some of the biggest dreams and that, that, yeah. you know, your favorite ones or whatever. And, um, yeah. and you, uh, you know, everybody was telling their stories. I mean, can you sit and do you feel like you can tell that person what maybe that meant or, or. Yeah. In different ways, right? Like it, it's one of those things when it comes to dreams, people have their own dream language. So I've seen so many dreams. I can understand like maybe themes and where, how it relates to waking life more easily than maybe most when it comes to these types of dreams. But for the most part, everyone has their own dream language, but yet no one's taught about their language. And so people will go to a dream dictionary or they'll go online and try to figure out what their dream means that way. And it's such a bad way to doing it. And I feel, I feel for people because they're trying to find answers, but where they're going is providing them misinformation. So when you go to a dream journal, you're getting someone else's ideas of what that symbol would mean, not your own, right? Like you have a different life than I do. You've experienced different things than I do. And that all... Um, relates to the imagery and then also you have it's not just you know you just don't see an elephant in a dream you'll be you know hugging the elephant or riding the elephant going down the street you know like there's a story that goes along with most dreams and all those pieces are, are trying to tell you something it's in your own language and so you know a dictionary can't like help you incorporate all those images so at the end of the day what I like to do I do offer the one-on-one -on -one group dreams consulting and what I do there is help people really reflect on the dreams and help them connect the dots. And so okay. I don't fully interpret the dream because I don't know all your symbols, but I can really help you um, get to the answers that you seek. And I think that's um, this is my best ability anyways. So um, is this something so, separate that you, I mean, is this something that you do just one-on-one -on -one with people or you do it in the workshops? I, I want to get into some of the stuff you do here. So uh, if somebody wanted to get that done, if they wanted to, you know, have a one-on-one -on -one consultant with you, you know, mm -hmm. how would they go about doing that? Yeah, just go to my website, griefdreams.ca, and there's links on there for the consulting. And that's the best way to, to do that. And there's also, a, if people just want to learn more about the topic, there's an online workshop that people can take to really know a lot of the information that we, I know we don't have time here to go over and, <laughs> and yeah, talk no, about. That's what I said. Yeah. I'm going to have to have you back because I know I'm going to get a yeah. ton of questions after you do this. So um, be prepared yeah. that probably in a month or so, we're going to have to have you back. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's no problem. I say like answering questions is that's the whole point is to raise awareness and to give people some knowledge that they just haven't been taught yet. And that's where I'm in right now, where it's just, you know, how can I raise awareness and teach people so they can give a better response when they have their own, when they have their own thinking of their own dreams, but also when other people approach them about their dreams, how do you provide a safer space to be able for that person to feel acknowledged and to not feel discouraged from sharing that dream? Now, have you written a book? Not yet. <laughs> uh, I, I'm telling you, you're supposed to, because there's some reason I keep thinking book, 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 book. So um, I think that's your next little you know, project here is uh, just 
to start writing a, a book on on uh, all this. All right, this is something too that I, I know a lot of moms say, well, I've never had a dream of my child. My husband hasn't had a dream of my daughter yet either. I mean, he's had her in dreams. Like I will have dreams of things that have happened in the past or maybe something that you know could have happened if she was still alive or things when she was younger. But like that dream that I had with her so real, I'd give anything to have a dream like that again, you know? And, and so I, I, you know, people have told me, well, if you sleep with an item of theirs before you, you know, that night, or, you know, pray real hard before you go to sleep, like God, please let me speak to Emily in a dream tonight. You know, and uh, trust me, I fall for everything. And I, try, I, I have slept <laughs> with her outfits on and her perfume on me. And, and I'm not a Looney Tune out there, everybody, but you know, all, well, yes, our screaming mothers are Looney Tunes. We'll try anything to have contact with our children again. Is there any way to bring on these dreams? Can you set that once and for all for everybody to understand? You know, it's a very interesting question. That's why I went to, to do the research. And I did multiple studies to really understand, you know, what are the factors that predict dreaming of the deceased? And the main one that was found in multiple studies was dream recall in general. So the more we, we remember more of our dreams in general, the more we are going to remember more of these types of dreams. And so what it's telling me is that we're probably dreaming of the deceased more than we're actually remembering it. And so the function of remembering dreams is very interesting. There's a lot of theories, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in that field. But what it, so what it's telling you is that, you know, I always sort of like to ask the individual when they, when they come to me, why haven't I had a dream? I always like to ask the next question is, how often do you remember dreaming in general? On average, people remember one to two dreams a week. We're dreaming throughout our whole night for the most part. I would say like 70% of the, the night we're dreaming about them, just dreaming. And so you think about all the dreams we're missing, right? And so you just realize, wow, oh, maybe I have. I just haven't caught it. And so that's a really interesting question on when we remember these dreams. And sometimes we wake up from the dream right at the end of sleep. Sometimes the dream itself wakes us up. Um, but other times it seems that the dream goes without us even waking up. And I think that's interesting. There's a lot more research that needs to be done on that front, but there are ways to increase your dream recall in general. And I think this is a very important thing. So if people have a very low recall rate, well, the chance of them recalling one of these dreams is gonna be pretty slim. So what can you do? So really valuing dreams helps you increase your recall rate. And what's, what's um, an issue in our culture, Western culture anyways, is you don't value dreams, we don't talk about them. So why would we remember them? They're meaningless for the most part if we, we don't sort of value them. So your, your mind is really good at it. Once you focus on something, it can actually help you with that. So uh, one way to value dreams is talk about your dreams. If you do have them, to listen to like this podcast or other podcasts on dreams. Uh, the other thing is to write down your dreams in a dream journal. And what you're telling yourself is that these are important. I want to remember them. Because even when you do remember one, the issue is you'll forget about it within a couple minutes, probably when you wake up, just because it's stored in a different part of our consciousness, because it's dreams happen in a different state of consciousness so it's very difficult to retrieve the memory once it's stored and so you know for us it's just writing them down is very helpful to be able to retrieve that memory and then by doing that you're probably you know you'll see a lot within dreams um you'll surprise see a lot of patterns but hopefully you'll catch one of these dreams and so the advice that was given to you about sleeping with uh, the object or praying i've heard you know people doing that and it's worked for them other people not not so much and what, what it's really trying to do is called dream incubation. It's like you're, you're trying to get one of these dreams. And what research has found is that, you know, dream incubation can work, not all the time, but it can. And, you know, if you go to bed with a problem or, or an issue, it can sort of help you out in different ways. And so with this, it's like you want to dream of the sea. So what can you do to incubate that? 
for me, what I suggest is on my website, there's a dream builder worksheet. And so a lot of people, when they, when they want a dream, they don't actually know what dream they want. And so it's really hard to incubate something you don't actually, you haven't really consciously thought of yet. You're just saying, I want a dream with them, but what? Was it a negative dream, positive dream? Like what kind of dream you want? Where do you want to be? And so the, the, what the worksheet does is really helps you manifest or to really think about what type of dream you really want to have. Who do you want to be in it? What location? What do you want them to be wearing? What do you want to say? What does she want to say? Or they want to say? And with that, a lot of interesting information does come out. It can be very emotional. So when you do it, have some space for yourself. And then before bed, think about that. Think about that dream and what that would be and how it would feel. And, and that in itself should help um, increase your chances of remembering one of those types of dreams. Because Some people, all that's right there at the top of your, of your thoughts yeah. before you go to bed then. Yeah, because what we think about prior to bed uh, has a really big impact in the dreams that we remember. And so just understanding that when you're trying to use those to try to manifest that. And a lot of people would say that, you know, I had some people have done the exercise at work, but the dream was different than what they, they wrote, which is, I think is interesting in itself. Hmm, so like yeah. whatever you write, isn't going to be the dream you're going to get, but at least it, it's something that you're, you're playing with to sort of say, this is the type of dream I'd want to have something like this. Because I've always wondered, how can you have a dream be in the middle of a dream and you uh, wake up? And you, you'll lay there in bed going, okay, I want to go back to that dream. I want to go back to that dream. And sometimes you actually can, and it, it picks yeah. back up again. Yeah. And that's, you know, it never seems, it, it always seems like it's not a dream that you want to have picked back up again, you know, that, that do. But I've had that happen a few times. Like, like, no, that's a really good dream. I want to go back to that yeah. one. And, and you do. And, you know, that amazes mm -hmm. me too, how our brains can work to be able to do that. Yeah. And I said, like, even people who aren't spiritual love these, love to have some of these dreams because they get to see them one more time. They get to hear their voice. They get to feel love, even though they're not spiritual, they don't see it as a visitation and that's fine. They're still getting a lot of benefit from it. And I think that's a, such a beautiful place for them to be in. And a lot of people just say they sit in the mystery. It feels different than other dreams, but you know, it doesn't change their, their belief system. And I said, that's okay. You know, you have a, you have a quote that I'm, I'm going to do that. I love through all, all of your stuff is it that, uh, one of these dreams, you know, of our, of, of our seeing our loved ones in that is worth 15,000 counseling sessions. Like, <laughs> did, I, did I do that correct or no? Yeah, it's good. This is something I quote. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. These dreams can be like, you know, yeah, a ton of sessions in counseling just because they can help us like nothing else I've seen before. Like, there's not a moment in, in time that I've seen that has affected me anyways um, and other people. Like, people who are at you know, risk of suicide and they had the plan, they had one of these dreams and it completely changed them and talked them mm -hmm. off the ledge to help them live a fulfilling life. Other people had addictions, they had this dream, they were able to stop their addictions. It's amazing the power these dreams can really have. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from that to help counseling sessions, to help um, humans while we're awake. But you know, like it's, it's really interesting on how powerful these are and yet we don't know much about them. We know a lot about nightmares and, and all that, but no one's talking about these powerful dreams that help us through the most difficult times in our life. And what's interesting about these dreams is that during a grief, like in the midst of our deep sorrow, they focus on our loss in many ways. And then when we move forward, let's say it's not as, you know, we've healed a little bit, it's not as, as hard to think about them and to, to acknowledge the loss, 
now they sort of focus on other aspects that may be more challenging. So say you're going through a divorce or something, then, you know, you have dreams that help you there. You, um, in the pandemic, so we're in a pandemic or getting out of one. I'm not sure where we are. (laughs) Getting out, I hope. (laughs) But a lot of people are having dreams of deceased who died maybe 20 years ago, but they're having these dreams of them now to help them regain hope, to to figure out the the circumstances, they even give advice on the how to deal with their emotions in the pandemic and sometimes just hanging out with them is is enough to help them sort of um, feel less lonely throughout the pandemic which is one of the big issues so these dreams are actually helping people basically make it through such a difficult time and then at end of life these these dreams change again to help people as they transition from life to death and they're all very positive i think there's there's something beautiful about that you don't really see it with other dreams so when people say is a visitation. I, so I don't know, but I know the dreams act a lot differently than normal dreams because they also change also based on where we are to give us that kind of comfort. And I, I do want to say too, we didn't talk about the negative dreams and that can be something oh, yes. that would be very difficult. I know you had a question. We, we went off to some other things. So I just want to sort of mention a little bit about that. So because dreams reflect a waking life, we would have expected these dreams to be the most common after loss. And so I did some research just on, I should, we should probably say the numbers too, on how common this really is. So after spousal loss, then the numbers are 86% within the first year or two had a dream of the deceased. After pet loss, it was 78% within six months. After miscarriage, it was 57%. And that was for a partner and also the earth mother. And then also um, children, 55% of children. I didn't do this study, someone else did after a parent died, had a dream of the deceased. And so when you start looking, that's that's huge. Those are like huge numbers for people and they would increase as time goes on. Hmm. But what's interesting is I thought going into the PhD that we were gonna have more negative dreams and positive dreams, just because that's what the dream research has basically suggested, how dreams re- reflect our waking life. But what's interesting is when you look, you look at the data, People are having more positive dreams than negative dreams, which goes against, that's what I say, they're acting a lot differently than normal dreams, which is, I can see why people are putting them as sacred and, and a, lot, a lot, and they put them in a different category almost than typical mm-hmm. dreams. And so after spells of loss, just say numbers, 90, uh, 92% of those who dreamt had a, a positive dream of the deceased, and I had categories on like what constitutes a positive dream, and around 40% had a negative dream. And those who had a negative dream tended to also have a positive dream, which is really interesting. And so the theory I have there is that negative dreams are probably more, uh, they occur more often in the beginning of loss as you're dealing with the trauma and the pain. And then as you work through some of that, you'll have more of the positive experiences. I know people on my podcast have talked about it. That's what happened with them, where it's very difficult in the beginning and those nightmarish images of the deceased maybe dying again or ill um, or even chasing them. Um, And then near the end, they, they had these dreams were very beautiful. And that's what they've stayed you know, after sort of they work through some of those issues. And then same thing, you know, after pet loss, the number is very similar. It's like 90% positive, but it was around like 20, yeah, about 25% had a negative dream. And so you sort of see that it's significantly more common to have one of these positive dreams after loss. And I think there's something very beautiful about that. And then it's like, how do you work with these dreams if you do have them? And I think that's sort of the next question I'm guessing yeah, <laughs> you no, probably would have. You just led right into it. Go right ahead, Dr. Black. And so when we, when we talk about these dreams, it's like understand that these dreams do reflect our waking life in some way. And so if you think it's a visitation, it's going to really be difficult, you, difficult for you in your grieving process. But let's first look at, does it reflect our waking life? 
And the answer is yes. And I haven't seen a dream yet that's negative that didn't reflect something someone was going through, either anger, guilt. And even looking at these negative dreams in general, what I found that the negative dreams, the, these negative distressing dreams related to uh, trauma symptoms and also unresolved feelings of guilt or blame. And so, you know, that's one place to go to. And so it's also like, I'll give you an example of a, yeah, I'll give you an example of a negative dream a widow had after her husband died. And so the individual uh, came and knocked on the door and basically said, I'm back. And she's like, how are you back? Right? Like, so it's very common for the deceased to sort of like surprise you. Anyways, he said, oh, I was just, you know, in hiding and now I'm back to be together. And she said, well, I can't be together. Um, I'm with someone else. And then he's like, um, okay, if we can't be together, you know, I want all the money that you inherited. And she's like, how can you be such a, a mean, a heartless person to do something like this to me, to make me think you're dead and want all this money back? Um, and she was basically saying no. And then he became very um, argumentative and started chasing her and threatening her. Anyway, oh. so she thought it was a visitation because she had that idea. And it was a recurring dream that happened a lot. And so when I looked at that dream, you can sort of see these signs within the dream, very common themes that, you know, pop up. So what, what are the flags in the dream? So when you look at that dream, there's a couple things that are mentioned. The first one is this new partner. I can only imagine how difficult it is for someone who uh, had a partner die to um, try to you know, be again in a relationship and what that feels like. And, and there's a lot of complications with being in a new relationship because does that other person even wanna hear about your past loss? Are you holding that in? And so there's a lot of difficulties there. And then the other thing was the, the money, taking that money. I'm like, that's a very interesting thing. I don't see that often. And what she said was the hardest thing after her loss was actually accepting and using the money that her husband had made for. She said it was so unjust that he worked so hard and she's the one that gets to enjoy it. And she also was using that money on the new relationship. So it complicates matters even further. And so, yeah, those are the two big blocks. So the negative dream, as much as at first she saw it was like this warning sign or this issue, actually turned out to be two big issues that she needs to talk about further in therapy or with someone. And I think that is what these dreams can be. They can really be a beacon on where we truly are in our grief. And I think rather than be afraid of them, let's utilize them as we would utilize a best friend who tells us the truth. Because you know, as much as we hate the truth, it's needed for us to grow and to work through some of our stuff. And these dreams can really be like that for us. And the negative dreams really can easily pinpoint exactly what it is. It's great when you have a positive dream because it usually just eliminates whatever that is, but not everyone has that, right? Like I said, like you had the, the anger and you could have had a lot of dreams of um, fighting, fighting him or um, things bad, like there were him attacking you, stuff like that, right? There's a lot of things that could happen. Or your I probably didn't, just don't remember him. Yeah, or your daughter being helpless and you wouldn't be able to help, right? So a lot of stuff like that. But instead you had this dream that's very positive to help you forgive and to have a new perspective on life. And I wish more people had those, but at the end of the day, that's not, that's not how you know the world works. So some right. people have these negative dreams. And so to not be afraid and work with them. And then after you sort of understand, you know, a little bit of what's going on, there are ways to actually decrease these from even happening. And one of the ways is called dream rescripting. And so what you do here is it works for children and adults. It's, it's quite simple and very beautiful. Is that whatever your dream is, it's a, it's very, let's say a nightmare. You can just change the ending so it's more positive for you. And then you rehearse that dream in your mind instead. Of, so anytime you so think of the- Literally take the dream, yeah. 
like say if I wrote down what the dream was I had, take mm -hmm. that ending that was bad and just rewrite it myself to something that's good. Yeah, so that, that's uh, one way. Another way is you could add a character in the dream to change some of the circumstances within it. So for kids, they'd like to pick a superhero that help them you know, guard off the, the figures that may be uh, chasing them or something, right? So it turns out to be a, a good dream. So you wanna leave the positive feeling from that. And that's been, that seems to, in research and shown to reduce the stress if those dreams happen again, but also reduce those dreams from happening in general. And I think that's really fascinating. Other people have just used that dream worksheet and just thought about a dream that they wanted, they want to have, and that helped them a lot too. So there's still a lot of mystery on that, but it seems to be effective either way to just not be afraid and avoid the dream, but to just see the dream and change it. And then that's what you remember uh -huh. for that dream. Yeah. Well, this dream worksheet you're talking about that, you said that's on your website. Yeah. Is that, is that free for people to download? It's free, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I, I hate to do this. We're going to have to start wrapping it up here. Um, this is probably going to be one of my longest podcasts that I've recorded, but it, it's like flown by. It seems like the fastest one here because you are just very, very fascinating um, with what you're talking about. And like I said, I know I'm going to get some some comments back on this and I will probably be reaching out to you here to uh, set up another time that maybe we can go over a few of those if you don't mind, because this yeah, is I, all of I us think it, mothers need. Yeah, I think it'd be good to do another one because I have a ton of um, dreams of people after the death of a child. And so well, it'd be nice to just plan to do another one. OK, I will reach out to you later today and we'll kind of set some set some dates up here. Um, <laughs> And I'm sure everybody will be glad and, and looking forward to those. So okay. just recap, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, first, you, you, I mean, you're, tell your website again. So it's griefdreams.ca. Okay, .ca. And on there, I know you have, um, you, you talk about, when, or do you hold workshops just in places or do you do everything through Zoom right now? Or how does that work? Well, I did the online course just because everything changed and I couldn't do anything in person anymore. I love the in-person one because it, it's just a different vibe to it and you can actually right. get to the questions. But right now it's gonna be just the the online version. If people wanna learn more about that, the topic, that's the place to go. And then, you know, I post a lot of dreams on Instagram. That's where I do a lot of my- uh, Oh, what's your Instagram? Thing. I didn't so know that. Yeah, so it's at Grief Dreams, and I'm really active on that. And then the Grief Dreams podcast, if people want to hear more about these dreams, and I talk to people on there about their dreams and how they sort of see that in their life. And you can get a lot of, you know, tips and tools. I said, like, a lot of these are very beautiful. So it can really inspire you on, on sort of in your own life and your own grief. And hopefully you can take some tips and tools as you work through your own loss. Now, if somebody wanted to do the one-on-one -on -one consultation that you talked about a little bit ago, how do they go about doing that? Well, once again, you just go on the website, there's a okay. button for one-on-one uh, -on -one consultations, and then you just fill out the form and we book a time. So And you do it like you do it like this with Zoom so you can see the person's yeah. face? That makes yeah, it always, yeah. the phone. Yeah, yeah, it's always the best. But if some people don't have or are afraid of technology, I can always do it on the phone. I think everybody pretty much knows how to do Zoom now. Even my 85-year-old mother so. knows how to do Zoom after COVID. <laughs> uh, let me just ask you, and I don't know if it changes and if I shouldn't ask this, but I know I'll probably get asked this from a lot of moms. What does uh, a one-on-one -on -one consultation cost? It's one one fifty nine right now. Okay. But I say, like at the end of the day, if someone has you know financial struggles, just email me and we can work something out. All right, thank you. That's that's sweet of you. So, because I, I know that's going to get asked. So, um, one more time, we're just going to say I want you to say I'm real slowly your web page. <laughs> the the, uh, the podcast is easy. It's just mm -hmm. the grief podcast, and your Instagram and anything else you want to give to reach out to you. I should also mention too, it's in Canadian dollars, so. Oh, that's right. Cheaper yeah, he's a Canadian, everybody. <laughs> he's pale in skin. I can tell here looking at him on the screen. I can tell he's like, I like to tease Canadians because I, I live on the beaches here. So we get a ton of Canadians that come in and visit mm -hmm. down here. 
you can always point them out, especially, you know, when it comes like April, they're just stark white. They're just so white. That's so, funny. um, sorry. I have, I always have to tease everybody a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's, it's the winter. It, it yeah, really I, kills us. Yeah. I feel sorry for you guys in the winter. <laughs> See, now, you know, somebody on the beautiful Gulf beaches in Florida, you can come down here and you can vacation down here with me. All right. Yes. All right. Beach and talk <laughs> dreams all day long. All right. I'll get a free consultation and you'll get a free place to stay. How's that work? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. All right. So give your, give again one more time slowly so that the moms have a chance to, I've got, hopefully they've gotten a piece of paper now they can rewind the podcast they can listen give exactly how all your different links yeah so griefdreams.ca you can find all the links on there and it said like the podcast is grief dreams podcast and instagram at grief dreams i'm also on twitter and facebook there is a facebook group too people could join if they want to to share their dreams and once again just type in grief dreams so you're it's just facebook.com forward slash grief dreams and that's your i don't know what the actual thing is just typing in the search engine grief dreams and all okay doing all the little perfect little things with it well dr black this has been wonderful i have really enjoyed it like i said this is probably going to one end up one of my all-time favorite podcasts here and um we will definitely bring you back on because i'm sure everybody will kind of listen to some of your um podcasts and go through your website and then want to you know uh get, get, send me some questions to kind of go over again that so we good greatly greatly appreciate you here and everybody as we wrap this up um i'm hoping that you're finding the joy back in your life as uh, i have yes we have bad days but i know going on three years i'm finding more joy than i am the sad days and uh so there's hope for you out there um that are just beginning this journey and i was very happy to have eight women start on our first um, zoom support group and we're having a wonderful time discussing our children i wrote a study guide that goes along with that i am going to start up a second group so if you want to join that um, uh, that Zoom study group, just email me at mychildlefthomeforheaven at gmail.com. Same as if you have any um, any questions that you want me to ask in the next episode, um, session two with uh, Dr. Joshua Black here. So again, we thank you, Dr. Black. This has been a wonderful, um, wonderful podcast and uh, I know very informative to me and I appreciate your time very, very much. Well, thank you for having the platform, first of all, and allowing me to come on to share. As I said, like it's it's one thing to do research, but if you can't disseminate it, it seems pointless. And so people like you is the reason why this is getting out. So just thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Love you out there. Kelly out.